Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to the Gitch Your Goat podcast. Great show. We're going to talk about another great uh, Thursday night game that happened last week between the New York Giants and the Washington football team. What a game that was. Then I'm going to go through some key week two matchups, another Rookie showdown in between the division, this time between Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. See if some other teams are for real. See if uh, Aaron Rodgers can right the ship against the Detroit Lions. And then the big heavyweight matchup, Kansas City at Baltimore, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, which star is going to show up. For their team. Break that down. Then we've got great college football action as well. Top 25 matchups between Alabama and Florida, Auburn and Penn State, ASU and BYU. And then I'm going to finish out with my top five teams in baseball right now. But first, let's recap last night's New York Giants and Washington football game. Now, going into it, Nobody expected much. This is boring game. Two bad teams. Probably won't make the playoffs. But this turned out to be a thrilling nail-biter. Yes, maybe it wasn't the prettiest of play. And, you know, after this game, it looks like both these teams are not playoff contenders. But at least we got an exciting Thursday night matchup, even between... Good teams. Uh, and that's at least what I want to see. And that's why I enjoy uh, watching the NFL. Because matchups like this are still entertaining. And that's what we got. We got Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke starting. Hasn't had a win yet in his start. But he looked poised and good last night from the pocket. Except for an interception at the end of the game, which I'll get into just in a bit. But the first uh, half, to me, again, was close. And you had a 14-13 Washington lead uh, going into half. You had, you know, a decent defensive performance uh, by both teams. The Washington uh, back end really... Uh, got burned a lot yesterday. A lot of miscommunication. Very sloppy play. The pass rush didn't always hit home, but when it did, it looked ferocious. Montez Sweat getting into the backfield. Chase Young, Allen, they are all monsters down there. You don't want to mess with them. And you go into the third quarter. A uh, couple of key plays here that happened. One. It was Daniel Jones. He had a 58-yard touchdown run, and uh, it was negated due to a holding penalty. So for that drive, he had to settle for a field goal. A lot of people saying it was an iffy hold, but to me, it was the correct call. Clearly, he was holding his jersey, you know, outside, uh, which you can't do, and not allowing the player. Uh, to make a play on the quarterback, you know, his hands were up, so maybe he sold it a little there. But I liked the call because he was in position uh, to make the play. And 
it was an obvious hold uh, as to why he couldn't then make the play. Another key one in the fourth quarter, I believe, Darius Slayton. Now, in the third quarter, Darius Slayton had an excellent catch, 33-yard pass from Daniel Jones, touchdown, made the catch, feet inbounds, tremendous play. Then in the fourth quarter, they have a, like a 50-yard pass or whatever it is, blown coverage. Darius Slayton is alone, nobody within a 20-yard diameter of him. Uh, a decent thrown ball by Daniel Jones that has uh, to be caught. And Darius Slayton drops it. And he, this is a ball that he could have dove out for if he didn't think he could make the catch. He extended his hands, dropped from both his hands. That is the game right there. That's the difference maker to me is that huge play that happened. You can't drop that ball if you're in the professional football league, especially after great catches you made that night. And you drop that for your team, you let your team down like that, uh, he's going to be very disappointed in himself. So this allows for uh, Washington to respond after the Giants kick a field goal, and they do. Uh, then uh, the Giants uh, kick a field goal, and or my bad, uh, Washington has the ball, and they can kind of ice the game away, and they don't. They run it right away, get a first down, and I'm like, this is looking good. Uh, they run the ball again, and I'm expecting a few more runs to take it to the two-minute warning. But they throw, they call a pass play, and Taylor Heineke rushes the throw. Terry McLaurin gets lost a little, and he throws an interception. This is a 50-50. It's 50% on Heineke because it was a bad throw, but it's 50% on the play caller because that is not the play you should have dialed up. Uh, when you can take it to the two-minute warning just running the ball and they're already using timeouts, uh, what you do is you continue to let them use timeouts, and you trust your defense, who was second last year, and has got home a little bit, even though you got burned. You trust them to make the plays. You trust your running back, Antonio Gibson, who had a big run on first down, uh, to get those kind of yards. You don't throw the ball like that. So you give it back to the Giants. They kick the field goal uh, to then go up 29-27. And now you have to rely on Taylor Heineke to shake off that interception, march down the field for a uh, game-winning field goal. And he drives them down the field, uh, gets them to within field goal range. Dustin Hopkins comes up, misses the field goal from 48 yards. However, there is an offside penalty on... The lineman from the Giants, I forget who it is, if it was uh, Lawrence or Williams. Uh, but this is the D lineman that is standing right over the ball. He can see the ball. And he jumps early and is offside. And then Duskin Hopkins kicks the then 43-yard uh, field goal to win the game. couple things on that play. First, you're right there. Right across from the ball, 
you can't see that ball moving. You jump early. I mean, come on. The second thing is how often do we see the person uh, lying across from a center get to the kicker to then block it? It's very rare. Sometimes uh, as they're doing it, they push the center down, which is then a penalty. Can't do that. So really, there's no play for him to make. So he did multiple things wrong that play and get drawing that offsides penalty uh, to then allow the re-kick, which cost your team the game. So it was a costly drop by Sladen, and then that play to seal your fate. They made too many little mistakes like that, the New York Giants, to cost them the game, whereas Washington played a better game on both sides, more disciplined. Taylor Heineke made a great throw uh, to Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, that gave him the lead in the fourth quarter, 27-26, uh, before those kind of back-to-back field goals with two minutes left. Great throw. Put Ricky Seals-Jones in a position to make a play. It was either that ball is going out of bounds or Ricky Seals-Jones is making that play. He didn't underthrow it uh, for Dory Jackson to intercept it. It was this play is scoring or it ain't scoring, but it ain't going to be a turnover. And Ricky Seals-Jones makes a heck of a play. Gets his feet and bounds, athletic catch, and the football team won that game. The football team were better. Taylor Heineke looked like a better passer for some of the game, or at least a game manager than Daniel Jones. They asked Daniel Jones to do uh, too much. But the key here is the separator is uh, the rushing disparity for just the Giants alone, and that is... Uh, Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones had nine carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley had 13 carries, 57 yards, no touchdowns. Averaged five yards less a carry than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is not Lamar Jackson, and he doesn't have the team around him and is not built for Lamar Jackson. They have Saquon Barkley who used to be a great running back, uh, and he was a great running back at Penn State, uh, great his first year when he won offensive rookie of the year, and it was behind a bad offensive line. It was. It was bad. General manager even said we'd have to fix it, but he was still great. Last year towards ACL, bad offensive line. This year, it's still a bad offensive line, so I don't know if it's still a lingering ACL injury, but this Saquon Barkley we're seeing is not the same Saquon Barkley. He's no longer an elite running back, or right now I would even say an above average running back. Now he has elite talent, don't get me wrong there, but in terms of performance, stats, what I see on the football field, he is just a regular running back. And that's going to have to change for the Giants in order uh, to boost them above the other teams in this division that are now all better than them. The football team, uh, the Eagles, presumably, even though the jury's still out on Jalen Hurts in this team, and the Cowboys. Saquon has to be better. But other than that, this was a great game. Very entertaining uh, to watch. Great Thursday night game. But what do we have in store for Sunday week Two, well, 
Are we going to see Justin Fields at all? Are we going to see Justin Fields? Because I'd like to see him. Probably won't. But this is Andy Dalton's homecoming again. He plays his former team, the Cincinnati Bengals. He'll probably keep him in this game. Maybe it'll give him a little extra juice. But Andy Dalton plays his former team. Cincinnati looked good last week. They did. I'm not going to lie about that one. Uh, at least their offense did. Can Andy Dalton do better against a Bengals defense that is not up there with the Rams? We'll see. I'd like to see Justin Fields in this game. I think if Andy Dalton doesn't perform well, it's time to kick him to the curb. But I think I could see another big day from Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. This offense is fun to watch. The Texans-Browns. Texans, very surprising last week. I was when they beat Jacksonville. Was not expecting that Tyrod Taylor had himself a day. Uh, this team uh, squashed, uh, you know, the hype between Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence relatively quick, quickly, making rumors pop up about him going to USC a week later. But for the Browns, you played the Chiefs so good last week. Should have came up with the dub, but you didn't. I hope and expect for them to roll. All over these Texans, I believe they'll be upset, angry. It's at home in the dog pound, and the Texans won't be doing much in this game. I believe the Browns win big. They're 13-point favorites. I like them to cover that. Rams-Colts. The Rams are high right now on kind of like a, what's it called, like a honeymoon-type phase after... This great marriage between Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford solidified in a big win last week. Everybody looks so jolly and happy against a Bears team. Now they're playing the Colts. I expect the Rams to win, but this is in a hostile atmosphere. A better defense they are facing. How does this offense look against the Colts? We saw uh, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett pick this defense apart and have their way. In Indianapolis, can we see the Rams do the same thing? And then for the Colts, if they go 0-2, that is a huge loss uh, just to them losing two games because they've played two games at home. Then they go on the road to place play the Titans, Dolphins, and Ravens. So this is a big one to win. You really don't want to go down 0-2. I expect a hard-fought football game. Then you have the Patriots and Jets. Rookie Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. You're both 0-1 in the division. Uh, Zach Wilson really came to his own last week. Mac Jones, to me, was you know the better presence, uh, even though they lost to the Dolphins. Big divisional game. Miami is the leader so far, but so this is big because you don't expect Buffalo to be down for that long. Who will be better to me? I don't care about the defenses, wide receivers. This is all Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. This is huge because after you know year one in the draft, you want to see if your team made the right quarterback pick. You know when you see Trey Lance not playing much, Justin Fields. Uh, you just saw 
uh, Zach Wilson, you're seeing Mac Jones as well, and Trevor Lawrence, how poorly he looks. You want to make sure that at least it looks like for now you made the right quarterback decision in the first round. Bills-Dolphins, another big divisional game to follow up the Patriots and the Jets. Tua got the win last week. Buffalo, big collapse against the Steelers. One is not expecting that. Do they beat the Dolphins? They're looking for their sixth consecutive victory against them. Can they do it? Yes, they can. But can the Dolphins upset them? Yes, it's in Miami. Always tough for those kind of northeastern teams to come down to Miami and play them. Except for last year, you saw Buffalo cruise against Miami. This will be interesting. A truer test for Miami. Can they score? And can this Buffalo offense uh, wake up and score more points? 49ers and Eagles. This is a big one. 49ers lost Raheem Mostert. Last week, that hurts their running game a lot. It's in Philly. Philly, is Jalen Hurts the guy he's facing a better defense? But we did see Jared Goff try to mount a comeback last week with the Lions against the 49ers. Put up 33 points. I think Jalen Hurts can do this, but to me, I'm skeptical of this 49ers team and this defense after some injuries just of his team as a whole. And after what Jared Goff did... I'm still skeptical about Philadelphia because they're Philadelphia, and I've seen what they've been the past few years. So, really, I'm not sold on the 49ers or the Eagles yet. I know I picked the 49ers to make the playoffs, and I'm still expecting that because they do have a tremendous amount of talent. But this Eagles team will be a good test for both, uh, both of them. Raiders-Steelers, to me... Maybe the 1-0 matchup, no one expected. Las Vegas to beat the Ravens and Pittsburgh to beat the Bills. Now, one of them wants to prove that we're actually for real. One of us is going to be 2-0. You know, the other is going to be 1-1. Who's going to win? We saw Las Vegas last week play a great game uh, against uh, the Ravens. Darren Waller was spectacular. However, this defense for the Steelers was really good. Do they get the win? Mike Tomlin, John Gruden, two very accomplished coaches. Uh, Right now, two very different styles. Mike Tomlin and his defense and John Gruden and his offense. Which one will prevail? This one is in Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. Tough pace to play. I think it's going to be a true test to see are the Steelers more for real or the Raiders more for real. The Saints and the Panthers, yet another one. Uh, Carolina, to me, wasn't too impressive last week in a win against the Jets. Other than Christian McCaffrey, you can take him out. But how does Jameis Winston follow up that big win against the Packers? Five touchdown passes. How does he follow up this performance? Do we see another great game from Jameis Winston? Or does he lay an egg and look like a fool out there? Who knows? 
This Carolina defense won't do much to stop them. I was surprised on how good New Orleans defense looked last week. These are two teams that are very familiar with each other, especially Sean Payton uh, going against Carolina every year for two years, every year or twice a year uh, for so many years now. I think New Orleans can definitely win this game and prove that even with Jameis, they're still a tough out. Uh, but I think Carolina has higher aspirations with this team. But I think New Orleans can definitely take care of business. The Broncos and the Jaguars. To me, who knows about Jacksonville right now after that loss where I was expecting the Texans to be the worst team in the league. And they got embarrassed. And now I don't know what to think of Jacksonville. Denver got a huge win last week against the Giants. Great defensive performance. Von Miller looks like he's back. Not prime Von Miller, but he looks good. Teddy Bridgewater looked decent. This team looked decent. How do they follow up that big win? Do they get after Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence? Uh, Nick Chubb could be back. I'm My bad. Uh, not a Nick Chubb, Bradley Chubb. Uh, for the Broncos, it could be back, and that could just be, you know, one of the best pass-rushing duos right now back. But another great pass-rushing duo is with the Arizona Cardinals. But to me, this is a pivotal game for both these teams, the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings lost last week to the Cincinnati Bengals. Do they avenge that loss? Dalvin Cook, costly fumble. Con artist Cook is never going to be a great quarterback. And the Cardinals just exceeded all expectations. You know, when you're looking for full effort, 100%, that is what you got. Last Sunday, Kyler Murray accounting for five touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins looked good. Chase Edmonds, James Conner, J.J. Uh, Watt, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, five sacks on his own. Tremendous performance. This Minnesota Vikings O-line is not good. This could be a long day for the Vikings. To me, a worse line than the Titans. Can Chandler Chandler Jones follow up with another multi-sack performance? Will J.J. Watt get in on the action? And I want to see this offense against a defense that isn't good. Like the Titans, do they have the same outing? I want to see this type of consistency from the Arizona Cardinals all year long. And then if the Vikings go down 0-2, they're in a world of hurt. Yes, they all lost in that division, but you can't count out the Packers just yet. They lost last week, surprisingly. This is a big game for them to win. And we need to see Kirk Cousins play better, which you won't because he's a con artist. So you kind of just stuck with what you got right there. Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is going to win this game, make no question about it. I do want to see their defense improve though upon last week's performance especially in the secondary want to see a better performance especially since we saw the Eagles 
shut down Atlanta last week. I want to see Tampa Bay shut down Atlanta. The Titans and the Seahawks. Another tremendous game on tap. You've got Derrick Henry uh, contained last week. Ryan Tannehill looked lost, was confused after taking so many hits. And this defense wasn't good. You have the Seahawks pick apart the Colts. You know, another AFC South team that they're facing. Will Derrick Henry go off? The Seahawks defense has an underrated rush defense or not a great pass defense, even though they looked good last week against Carson Wentz. Can they cover uh, the Julio Jones, the A.J. Brown? Uh, The Colts don't have those type of weapons. The Seahawks didn't have to worry about that. How will they dial up this game plan defensively? That's what I want to see for defense that isn't great, and I think overperformed last week. Where do they turn from? Turn to from here? Do they focus on the run? Do they focus on containing uh, the outside threats? That's a huge matchup, and for the Titans again, not the star you were looking forward to the season getting demolished by the Cardinals. You really don't want to follow this up and then get demolished by the Seahawks. Seahawks at home. Home opener, fans are back. Home of the 12s, one of the loudest stadiums. It's going to be tough for the Titans. They definitely have the tools to pull off the upset. They do. But will they? Last week's loss was very, very concerning to me. Another great game. The Cowboys and the Chargers. What happened to the Cowboys? You have... A great game against the Buccaneers in which you lost. Could have won. Then you lose your tackle, Lyle Collins. Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you lose him as well. And uh, I believe you lose another player uh, as well on defense. I'm forgetting his name at the moment. But you just have a great game and then you lose uh, people like that. That is not... Good. That is not uh, well, and Michael Gallup as well. So it's a couple big losses for the Cowboys. You know, you lose a key wide receiver, uh, your key tackle, and your best defensive player. Now, how did this defense look against the Chargers? Chargers looked good last week. I love Justin Herbert, uh, and then. Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, they look great. I think this offense, even without Michael Gallup, can still do great. Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. But they need to figure out a rushing attack. Zeke needs to get the ball, to me, very much into the same echelon right now of Saquon Barkley, where he was once an elite running back, led the league in rushing yards in consecutive years now. He's looking like an average guy. He's looking like just a regular running back. You know, that's not in the conversations with Derrick Henry and Kamara and Cook and Chubb. Ezekiel Elliott's no longer in that conversation. They're definitely a more pass-happy team. But I think to help them balance it out, and when you have to give Zeke the ball, he's a game-changer. But we just haven't seen that. And they're not giving him, you know, the rush attempts to get him going. To me, 
This is a big game for the Los Angeles Chargers to win against the Cowboys. But again, another early test by the Cowboys. They don't face a lot of good teams this year. They don't. Uh, they faced a good one last week. They're facing a good one now. It's a good measuring stick for them because after this, they're going to have a lot of winnable games against the Panthers, the Giants, uh, the Vikings, Falcons, uh, uh, Patriots. So, you know, they have a lot of winnable games, but against better competition where I think the Chargers are, you have to show up at this one. Then the Sunday night game is Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City of Baltimore. This is a big one, more for Lamar Jackson than it is for Patrick Mahomes. So far, they played each other three times in their career. Lamar Jackson is 0-3. Hasn't looked good in any of those games. This team hasn't looked good in any of those games. Kansas City has been able to pick Baltimore apart. This one is in Baltimore, uh, facing off again. Sammy Watkins, you know, played for Kansas City, got a ring with them. Now is on the opposite side of this showdown. And uh, this is a game that I think Baltimore needs to show up on after a huge loss to them. You have Orlando Brown, who was on the Ravens. Now he's on the Chiefs. Got a couple of bad blood issues there. But I'm more concerned about Baltimore. I know what Kansas City brings to the table. I know what they're going to do every week. They execute what they do perfectly. Uh, Lean on Clyde Edwards just a little bit to give Patrick Mahomes a breather. Uh, But Patrick Mahomes is going to divvy it out uh, to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And it's virtually unstoppable. The only time they were stopped. Uh, was in the Super Bowl last year. Other than that, they're unstoppable. The Ravens have not been able to stop them, and they've had good defenses. But Patrick Mahomes is just that dude. Now you go to the other side, Lamar Jackson is facing a defense that's not as great as his own defense, but yet he still has trouble. He had trouble last week against the Raiders and fumbling, which I was very surprised with. And the thing is, Patrick Mahomes is a special quarterback, and he tries to do too much. I see him that pass to Tyreek Hill where it's across the field and, you know, weird angle, and he does it. That's just Patrick Mahomes. He's special. Lamar Jackson is not special in his arm talent. He's not... uh, he is a special quarterback. You will, I will say that. You know, two years ago when he was special, he won MVP. They went fourteen and two last year. You know, he wasn't special, and they were eleven and five so far this year. He's not been special like Patrick Mahomes is. He needs to turn it back into high gear if they are to win this game and make it to the playoffs this year. You don't want to start zero and two. Because uh, then you face uh, difficult teams ahead like the Broncos, the Colts, the Chargers, the Browns a couple times, the Steelers a couple times, the Rams, the Packers. It gets difficult for them 
from here on out. Very tough schedule. And Lamar Jackson is going to have to step up. That's the key. This defense took a hit. This rushing game took a hit. It's up to Lamar Jackson to come through or not for his team. Or to me, I think this experiment could be over. If he doesn't prove that he can be an elite passer of a ball if his first instinct is to always run, whereas Patrick Mahomes' first instinct is to make a play down the field. And that's the difference. Patrick Mahomes is a true playmaker. Lamar Jackson is not. And I think Patrick Mahomes is yet again going to win another matchup against Baltimore. Is just better. His team is built better around him than what Baltimore's is currently. So that's this week's matchup. What matchups are you looking forward to this week? And now moving on to college football. There's always a ton of college football on. I'm just going to make 10 picks. The first week I was 8 and 3. Last week I was 6 and 4. What will I be this week? Well, what picks am I making? Tonight, UCF in Louisville. ESPN, I'm picking UCF to win. Uh, Dylan Gabriel has looked good so far. 630 yards, six touchdowns. Bowser at running back has also been very capable. Uh, Malik Cunningham, I think, has been decent for Louisville. But that big loss to Ole Miss, this is another good team in UCF. I just don't see Louisville winning this game. The ACC, to me, looks very weak this year. Miami struggling. North Carolina struggling. Uh, Clemson, I think, has woken up. And I have Virginia Tech. But that is it. I like UCF to win this game. Nebraska and Oklahoma. You know, one of the oldest rivalries has the game of the century 50 years ago. Oh, this ain't going to be no game of the century This isn't no number one Nebraska, number two Oklahoma showdown. These are two teams on the opposite end of the spectrum. This is a Nebraska team that struggles with Scott Frost as head coach. And this is an Oklahoma team that is really good uh, with Lincoln Riley. Uh, They have the talent. Spencer Radler is better than Martinez. Uh, Oklahoma just put up a 76-point shutout on Western Carolina last week. And Nebraska's looked better since their opening loss to Illinois. But that won't change much. Oklahoma will dominate this game. Simple as that. Ain't going to be much of a matchup. Cincinnati and Indiana. A lot of preseason expectations on Indiana. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, hasn't really lived up to that. More interceptions and touchdowns uh, so far this season. Cincinnati's number eight. Tough defense, tough team uh, to beat. I think Cincinnati uh, will win. I think Desmond Ritter will have a great game uh, for them. Uh, and then Tyler Scott, wide receiver, is a big play maker. Averages 31 yards a reception. I think this team will have a great chance, you know, at making the playoff the end of this year. You know, I think they could run the table. The only thing is, uh, 
is their schedule and the teams ahead of them. Uh, that is what, go, is what is going to be coming up between these two teams, or this team, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Virginia Tech and West Virginia. To me, this one is tough. Virginia Tech is on the road against West Virginia. Tough atmosphere uh, to play in, sellout crowd. Uh, my heart wants to pick West Virginia, telling me to pick West Virginia. West Virginia is a favorite, but you know they had a loss to Maryland. And to me, Maryland's not a great team. Uh, I don't think they're that great. Uh, Virginia Tech had a big opening win. I know this one's at home for West Virginia, but I'm going with Virginia Tech in an upset. But should West Virginia be the favorite? I don't know. I'm rolling with Virginia Tech, not my heart, in West Virginia. Michigan State and Miami. I am surprised Miami is a a 6.5-point favorite, uh, considering they got walloped by Miami and had a two-point win over Appalachian State. Yes, now I know Appalachian State is good in their FCS conference or whatever it is. Uh, I was hoping for Appalachian State to win, uh, just so Appalachian State beats another team that's not named Michigan. But they couldn't hold on uh, to the win. Miami is not a good team. I think Michigan State will win this game. Now, it's hard for me to pick Michigan State, but hopefully they don't do me wrong here. Purdue and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is just barely getting by in-state rival. Purdue is coming in. Notre Dame has to be better. This is a great tune-up before a very, very tough stretch uh, coming up. They have to tune it up because it could get very ugly for them the rest of the year. The way Notre Dame plays, this game will probably be close, but I think Notre Dame will pull it off. Then you have number one, Alabama, versus number 11, Florida. Now, I don't really pick against Alabama. I don't. Why would I? Uh, they prove time and time again that they are the best. I'm picking Alabama, even though I would not be surprised if Florida upsets Alabama. Why? It's not due to talent, because that's all on Alabama's side. Coaching, Alabama's side. The thing with this matchup is quarterback, his first season uh, playing college football, uh, starting he just just had two easy matchups against Miami, and I forget what team Mercer they beat. Yeah, Mercer was last week. Uh, they were at home. The other one was neutral site. This is his first true away test, and it doesn't get much harder with your first away test than playing at the Swamp in Florida, where there's going to be 90, 90 to 100,000 people there. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. It's going to disrupt this Alabama team, it's going to help this Florida defense. To me, home a good home field advantage is the great equalizer. And Florida has a talent. Uh, Emory Jones uh, and then Richardson backing him up. They have a good tandem uh, to take down this Alabama team. Dual threat quarterbacks. To me, this is prime upset right here. I'm rolling with Alabama. But I think Florida can keep it close. Would not be surprised 
to see a Florida upset here. South Carolina, Georgia. There have been many times in the past where South Carolina has upset Georgia and derailed their season. Don't think that's happening this weekend, though. I think Georgia tomorrow will get a big win over South Carolina after South Carolina barely eked out a win against East Carolina last week. Then you have where game days hosted Auburn and Penn State. Uh, the first time, uh, you know, Auburn and SEC has been to a Big Ten stadium in such a long time. Sean Clifford is a good quarterback for Penn State. Bo Nix, I like even more than Sean Clifford, though, for Auburn. If this game was in Auburn or on a neutral site, I would pick Auburn to win this game. But again, to me, home field advantage is the great equalizer. Penn State, whiteout, there's just something special about that. The 100, 105,000 fans that are guaranteed to be there, this place will be rocking. Uh, Bo Nix will be rattled. The new head coach will be rattled. Penn State gets a win. I don't think Penn State's ultra talented, but home whiteout game is huge for this team to draw on, and the crowd will help them out. Uh, Kane is a great rusher, Noah Kane, John Dotson as well. Penn State gets a win. And then my final game pick is between Arizona State and BYU, their first meeting since 1998. BYU, big win over Utah. I'm glad they knocked, have beat so far. They beat two Pac-12 South teams. Uh, They've beat uh, Arizona and Utah. That's great news for ASU because they're in the Pac-12 South. Why do I say that if BYU so far 2-0 against that division? Well, because BYU's riding this high, they're ranked now. ASU is still underneath the radar. They're still talking about Utah. They're talking about USC and the coach. They're talking about UCLA since UCLA's 13. Not a lot of talk right now at ASU. We're talking about Oregon and their big win. Nobody's talking about ASU. That's gonna, this is going to be perfect for a good quarterback in Jaden Daniels to have himself a day against BYU. It's going to be tough at BYU, but I like ASU to get the win. Now, time for my top five teams in MLB right now. Who are they? Drumroll, please. Number five, the Houston Astros. Why? Well, they've won uh, two straight, and to me, they look very good at home against teams they could be playing a la the White Sox. Looks like that will be the team, and I think they want that matchup. We'll play into that matchup since they've dominated the White Sox so far this year at Minute Maid Park. Astros are doing Astro-like things so far. Number four, the Milwaukee Brewers. They have just given the division crown already. Christian Yelich is playing great, and because of that and his team playing great, they, he bought 10,000 tickets to give out for free to this Cardinals series upcoming and really put the herd on so they can officially have that division crown title. Number three, 
the Tampa Bay Rays. Why? Well, they scored the most runs, even with, you know, Wander Franco going down, Randy or Rosarina in this team. Keep on winning. They've been a little inconsistent as of late, but they still win. They score runs. They score in bunches, uh, and they run you out of the ballpark. Number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? Well, they have the least amount of runs allowed. They have the best run differential. They've won six straight. This team is back. Clayton Kershaw coming in. Julio Urias is, to me, the favorite to win the NL Cy Young. Uh, 18 wins, low ERA. He is playing great. This offense is great. Max Muncy, uh, Mookie Betts, and them are all playing good. But that's not enough to be number one. Uh, That is still the San Francisco Giants, the best team. Great underdog story where they've now clinched a playoff spot. They're happy about it. Dropped two straight to the Padres, which is uh, concerning, but they still have a one-game advantage on the Dodgers and the tiebreaker, which is huge going down into this final stretch. So those are my top five teams. The Houston Astros, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the San Francisco Giants. Now, big MLB game on uh, tonight between the Cardinals and the Padres. Uh, Big game. Velasquez pitching for the Padres. Uh, Mikolis uh, pitching for the Cardinals. This is a huge game because St. Louis Cardinals are in that second wild card spot. And the Padres are a half game behind. This is a huge homestand for the Cardinals. And this is a huge series for the Padres. Three games. This could def- uh, help decide that final wild card spot between those two teams and essentially pushing out uh, the Reds as well because they play the Dodgers. Big games for both these teams. Deciding series, I think, will go into this. To me, this is more meaningful to the Padres because they still have two more series against the Dodgers and one, or two more series against the Giants and one against the Padres. Whereas the Cardinals' uh, upcoming series are against uh, the Brewers and the Cubs, and the Brewers could be locked up already. So we will see about that. And my final note of the day is Tom Brady saying he could feel like he could play till he's 50. Could he? Who knows anymore? He's playing so well at, you know, 44 so far this year, 43 last year. If he keeps on playing like this, why stop him now? Why not go for ultimate GOAT records going till 50, like a Gordie Howe-esque type thing, whereas everything, every record is virtually untouchable at that point. If you have that type of motivation and you have that desire, all ahead, keep on going, Tom Brady. Don't know if he will continue to have that in six years uh, with his wife and his kids and all that, but it's definitely possible that he could play Till he's 50. Good luck, Tom. This has been Get Your Goat. Again, happy Friday, everybody. Talk to you all soon. Enjoy some football this weekend. Bye, everybody.